Hey, Green Future Growers. Welcome to Season 4. I'm your host, Jackie Marie Beyer. I'm here to help you create, grow, and enjoy your own organic oasis. I hope you'll subscribe for free on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. And let's get growing. My wife is really the, the hardcore gardener in our family. I am, I am basically, uh, I basically work for her, right? I'm, I'm more, I'm much more of an indoor gardener with microgreens and sprouts. Um, so I'm not positive that some of these, uh, questions are gonna be all that one for my partner, but no worries at all. Um, and I'm the opposite. My husband's the gardener and I'm kind of the do what you yeah, type of person. And just, uh, he grows almost all our food and vegetables. And I've like, since I started my podcast, at least I can say I have come a long way. It's like, I tell people if I had to, I could probably keep like, I'm an elementary teacher by trade and I could probably keep my classroom alive growing i could grow enough food to keep them alive i wouldn't want to it wouldn't be the easiest and i don't know where we get the seeds but um but that being said you know i kind of uh i'm still learning i'm learning so much like i feel like this summer was really a, a big lot like the more i know the more i know i don't know you know and the more lessons i'm learning when i'm out there and i'm just like oh that's what this means or that's what i should have done here or this is you know this isn't working and i'll go like search for it or or remember what somebody said very cool that's what i should have which um okay so yeah. now i was looking at these seeds and they say they're from utah but where are you located i'm in mapleton utah is oh, where are. i live that's about an hour south of salt lake city and our warehouse is in Salt Lake City, and that's where we ship all of our orders from. But we produce seed. We produce seed all over the world. So we have we have a we have a very big seed production facility in uh, the Central Valley in California. We contract with hundreds and hundreds of farmers there and produce literally thousands of tons of garden seed every year, both conventional and quite a bit of organic. And uh, we have a uh, a smaller uh, production operation in central Utah, where we produce seed. And then we contract with farmers and growers literally all over the world. We try to get a lot of production done in the Southern hemisphere in Brazil and Chile, um, because, um, you know, it, it helps stabilize the, the supply of seed. Um, and, you know, we grow, we grow, we contract with farms in France and in Poland and in, in uh, Holland and in, Italy and other places. And that's where it all comes from. Cool. All right. Before we go any further, let me introduce you. Welcome to the Green Organic Garden. It is Thursday, August 25th, 2022. I have an awesome guest on the line to talk about a topic I'm super interested in. If you're not interested in it, I hope you will become interested in it. We're going to talk about cover crops today with Parker Garlitz from True Leaf Market. So welcome to the show, Parker. Very good. Thank you. I'm, I'm super honored to be here. Well, I am so excited. And you sent me a pack of cover crop seed yesterday, which like you could not believe how perfect the timing is because this year, my husband was like, uh, he just had too much going on. And so part of our mini farm, it's where I call like the place where he 
grows most of our, you know, like kind of the more the production part as compared to the garden beds over by the house. Anyway, is covered in tarps right now because he didn't plant probably half of it this year. And so I'm like super excited to hear, can I put these in the ground right now? Like even if we could get a frost any day, like we've had a frost August 8th, our usual first frost comes September 8th. Like, is it too late for this year or is it going to work out? Like, can they take a little frost? Would we need to cover them with row cover? Like, anyway. well, cover, cover crops usually are fairly hardy compared to, you know, most vegetable seeds. So they can probably take a little frost. Um, but, it, you know, depending, depending on geography and, and your zone, if you're, if you're in a zone with a short growing season, the sooner you plant them in the fall, the better, or you can plant them in the spring. Uh, before uh, and then and then terminate those cover crops before you plant your garden. So you can do it, you know, fall or spring. Most people tend to do it in the fall, but it's probably not too late to plant those cover crops right okay. now. Okay, this is what I'm thinking because like it took me a really long time to wrap my head around like if I'm planting a fall crop of broccoli, I need to actually start the seeds indoors in June. But these are cover crop seeds that are going right in the ground. And I think I could, and also like our seasons have been so crazy, like things that have died in a frost before then are still going through to October. Like my tomato plants, usually like, you know, the frost comes and they, the tomatoes, like you have to, you know, bring them in and put them in a box. And like the last two years, the plants died, but the tomatoes kept ripening on the vine. And like, that seems really unusual. At least I thought it was. Yeah. Um, like I thought they were going to be so mushy and just like totally completely ruined if I went out there and hadn't harvested them and they didn't they ended up like ripening and then I thought oh the next frost that came along I was definitely going to lose them and like the last two years I was able to harvest tomatoes into October they still kept turning ripe and so I think um I think the cover crops will do well you know usually I think they like a cooler season anyway I'm not going to talk about me my listeners don't want to hear about me they want to hear from you so why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself and then we'll get into like what actually is a cover crop and why and like some of these um, basic questions. So you're in Utah, why don't you tell listeners a little bit about you? I'll be quiet. You bet. Well, again, my name is Parker Garlitz. I'm one of the co-founders of True Leaf Market. We are a seed company and we sell uh, both seed wholesale to, the, uh, to many suppliers and, and uh, seed companies in the United States and, and in some cases internationally. And we also sell direct. So we have, uh, we have basically about a million customers who have bought a uh, seed from us and uh, a, a very large reorder rate. And we are a supplier of, of seeds across the board from uh, garden, garden seed, including vegetable, herb, and flower. Uh, we do cover crop seeds, grain seeds. We have specialty seeds like Asian varieties and uh, you know, things like cotton and tobacco seeds. And then we also uh, we also serve the the indoor growing market, uh, including vertical farms uh, and professional and hobbyist microgreens growers and sprout growers. So yeah, we're we're basically a full service seed company, and uh, I am a very big microgreens and sprouts enthusiast. Right in my family, my my wife is really the gardener. And I, I provide, uh, I provide labor for her, I guess. Uh, but in terms of, uh, you know, what I grow, I tend to grow microgreens and sprouts indoors, which you can do all year long. 
And, uh, you know, it's a, it's a, it's, it's a cool little hobby. It is, you know, I worked in a restaurant this summer and, um, the owner, I was like, I can't believe you're buying sprouts. Like you should totally like you're paying outrageous prices for these sprouts. They go bad constantly. Like we can't just, I just, I don't know why they go bad so often on us, but they do. We're always throwing away or I'm taking home my compost. I'm like, why don't you grow the, your own sprouts? They're so easy. And he was like, how do you grow sprouts? My yeah. brain's on the other side. I've had a challenge with, I know they're easier, but anyway, Parker, I always start out the show asking about your very first gardening experience. Like, were you a kid? Were you an adult? Who were you with? And what did you know? Were you yeah, fair kids? enough. I guess I was probably, uh, I was probably 11 or 12, maybe 13. And I grew my first garden in our family's backyard. And I did it myself with a little bit of help from my mom, but mostly did it for the, uh, the Boy Scout Gardening Merit Badge. And that was, it was a great experience. And what did you grow? That's awesome. You know, it's been a long, long time. The only thing I remember for sure was a whole bunch of carrots. Oh, cool. There were other things in there, but for some reason, carrots is, is a memory that I have of harvesting carrots and pulling them out and cleaning them. I think those are a good start. Like I have a little three vegetable garden challenge. And I always tell people like I would start with peas, carrots, and a cherry tomato. I think uh, carrots are a good one to start with, even though sometimes they're a little, it like, I think they're good because they do take a little bit of patience to get germinated, but also like when you're very first starting out, you've got that patience and then there's such a cool thing to get in the fall and, and just everybody loves carrots. Indeed. Anyway, so let's talk about garden cover crops. What is a garden cover crop? Because I think like in the beginning, everybody thought, oh, cover crops are just for like big farms. So I love that you want to talk to us about backyard garden cover crops. You bet. Well, if you're if you're growing organically, right, and you're not and you're not uh, bringing in organic compost or using other techniques for soil rehabilitation, uh, cover crop is, you know, it, it, it's basically the way to do it. Right. It's a very, very powerful uh, strategy for organic growing. But what, what a cover crop really is, and, and again, we can look at this, you can go back historically, cover crops have been used for thousands of years in agriculture. What a cover crop is, <clears throat> is an off-season crop that you grow after your, after your, your primary you know, agricultural crop, or in the case of a garden, after you harvest your garden, clear it out, you plant a cover crop to provide a whole bunch of potential benefits the least, not the least of which is soil rehabilitation and adding nutrients, adding organic matter to the soil and, and really making for healthy soil. So if you haven't done much to rehabilitate soil after two or three or four seasons of gardening, you're going to see your, your yields start to go down and plant health is going to go down and cover crops are a great way to basically provide, um, a whole, a whole host of benefits in terms of soil rehabilitation. And, and I guess what that, what that really does is we should probably start with talking about what, what, what healthy soil is, right? Sure. So healthy soil, right. Consists of a whole lot of things, including, you know, ground rock and sand and decaying organic matter is a huge piece of, of soil. 
that supports bacteria and earthworms and other living things that are beneficial uh, to the soil and to crops that grow in it. Um, healthy soil has important nutrients, right? Everybody knows NPK because those are the those are the big three: nitrogen, potassium, and phosphorus. Those are the big three nutrients that will really help grow big, healthy crops. However, really, truly healthy soil and healthy soil that is going to provide nutrients into your vegetables that are gonna really be a benefit to human health are all the micronutrients that often get leached out of soil and are never replenished, especially with, you know, with big agribusiness. If, if you think about agribusiness, and how they fertilize, right? They're fertilizing with chemical NPK and they're growing crops on soil that has been growing crops for a hundred years in the United States, maybe longer. When was the last time they fertilized with vanadium or selenium or sulfur or copper or zinc or any of the other trace minerals that plants will take up, right? So adding some of those important micronutrients, micronutrients to the soil, in my opinion, is a very, very important part of soil health. And then of course you have, you have moisture and other things like a healthy texture and a healthy structure, you know, soil that's not too sandy, soil that's not too, not too heavy with clay, those types of things. So that's soil and that's healthy soil. What cover crops do is help create and maintain healthy soil by adding many or most of those things back into the soil in a couple of different ways. And we can talk about that as we, as we dig in a little bit, a little bit further. But the idea is, yeah, most people think about cover crops as a farming strategy. And there's a large number of gardeners who've never considered cover crops, which are simple and about the most inexpensive thing you can do to improve soil health. They've never really considered right. a cover crop as a gardening technique. And it's super easy to do. And it's again, you know, dollar for dollar, probably the biggest bang for your buck that you're going to get in improving soil health. And on top of that, like one of the big questions I get a lot is where do I get good soil? Where do I get something to start with to plant my garden? Yeah, well, just, you know, regular, regular topsoil and, and adding compost in is, is a great strategy. And, and what cover crops are is almost kind of self-composting green matter and organic matter that you're adding to the soil without having to go, you know, do a huge amount of composting. And, and for what it's worth, you know, a lot of people do, do their own composting, but having an, producing enough of your own compost to, you know, provide yes, soil exactly. for an entire garden, that's a challenge. So then you've got to go out and, and buy compost and bring it in, which is, you know, I mean, I have hauled wheelbarrows from the, you know, from a yeah. truck bed all the way to the backyard garden, not my favorite task. And it's expensive. We it spend is. a lot of money on either soil, manure, inputs. We have seven compost piles at our house in various stages of decay. And like when I work in a restaurant through the summers, I am just like, I flabbergasted that they throw so much of you know the prepping materials away like i'm so thankful that they let me take you know like the eggshells home and the prepping i've never been able to find a restaurant that will snag the coffee grounds for me because i'm in the back of the house and that's kind of a front of the house waitress type of thing and like where to put them but but i like ask the other cooks and stuff because they talk about their gardens and i'm like 
why are you not saving this? And they just kind of shrug at me. And I'm like, man, like, I, we can never create enough compost for all the food that we have growing here. Yeah, and, and, and composting is hard. It, it's a lot of work. Well, I don't know about that, but <laughs> I don't know. Well, at least the way we do it. Like, I don't like to get into the big complicated. I know people talk about the Johnson bio suit thing and like measuring it and making sure it's hot enough. Like, we're kind of just, you know, throw it in, mix it with the grass clippings and and let it do its thing type of people at my house. But um but for like my husband's mini farm, like there's just no way. And like one year we were like arguing about who got the compost because I put on flowers and my husband was like, that is for the food, vegetables first. The compost goes in the vegetables first. I didn't realize that's what you were saying when you were going to put it on that bed. And the worst part is I still feel guilty two years later because I was doing that thing with like, you know, the cardboard and it, I did it over quack grass. And like that first year, yeah, I was able to plant flowers there, but like this year, the weeds are so high. Like it all came back the next year. And then this year is even twice as full of quack grass. Like the, the comp, like that works for some places. I do have one bed where it worked, but most of our beds have not had good luck doing the laying the cardboard down right on top of the sod. But that's yeah, fair enough. Like I said, I'm not the best gardener. <laughs> I don't pay enough attention. There'll be like a week during the summer, like every couple of weeks, there'll be a week where I don't even see the garden for five days. Like now that I'm going back into the classroom this fall and I just got hired like two weeks ago or something, I think I've been like, you know, trying to get into my classroom and I haven't seen our garden. It's been really, it's really having a hard time. Anyway, um, I always feel like one of the things about cover crops is like because i've been reading about them and trying them the only one i've had really good luck with is buckwheat but to me it's like intimidating because you when you see like some of the books they talk about like the roller crimp method of you know um killing your cover crop or like turning it into the soil like all these different ways and like to me and even the year i did the chop and drop like my hands were tired after cutting all those buckwheat seeds in just one bag so i don't know if you want to talk about that like how it would not be so intimidating for some people. You bet. Well, so what we're really what we're really getting into there is is different methods of of cover crop, right? Uh, of managing your cover crop and, and effectively kind of terminating the cover crop, um, and and when to do that, right? So the the basic idea here is that there are different types of cover crops that provide different types of benefits. And that might be, you know, that, that might be a little deeper than most gardeners want to go, right? So for example, buckwheat, the benefit of buckwheat is it, it, it's got a couple of benefits to a, to a home garden. Buckwheat grows really, really fast and produces a lot of organic matter, right? The other thing about buckwheat is it grows in really, really poor soil. So buckwheat, you know, if you've got a really, really rough case, buckwheat might be the crop to start with plant some buckwheat get the soil kind of improved over a couple of years and then start mixing in some other cover crops uh and the, the bees love things. the flowers say again and the bees love the flowers A absolutely po attracting pollinators especially in the off season and keeping keeping your local pollinator um population healthy Cover crops are a great way to do that. And that's that's one of the key benefits of cover crops is that 
is that it does feed and attract pollinators. Absolutely, 100%. But, but going back onto your key question, right? Terminating the cover crop is kind of, is kind of the key issue. And, and I guess I would introduce two concepts, right? Two ways to do it. Um, and, and which way is better? I, I would leave that to, to the individual person to make the decision, right? One method is a, is a no-till method where you terminate the cover crop, let the green matter lie on top of the ground as a mulch, which provides some erosion control, helps trap moisture, provides a little insulation for the roots in colder weather. But you do have the issue of growing your, 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 you know, your, your upcoming garden kind of through the mulch, which bothers some people and other people it doesn't. So that's, that's a strategy. The pushback on that, I guess, is, and there's, again, there's pros and cons to, to everything, right? There is, there is no perfect way to do it, but the no-till method, right, where you're, you're mowing down the cover crop, right, just a weeder and let it, letting it lie on top, and, and ideally, they, they winter kill. Now, some cover crops, including our cover crop mix, do have some very, very tender perennials that will survive in the, uh, over winter in the, in the very warmer climates, but uh, will winter kill in most areas. So that's really, really not a problem. So you mow it down and then plant your garden. The question though is, what about the, what about the issue of all the organic matter and adding it to the soil? Well, in that, in that particular approach, you've got to consider, right? I mean, if you've ever, if you've ever seen kind of, uh, you know, one of the shark movies or whatever, they, they often will have a scene where, where the camera's above the water and then slowly goes underwater. And there's a moment at which the, the camera lens is split between above the water and below the water, right? So imagine that with soil. Well, when you grow a cover crop, what we see is the stuff growing above ground what you often don't see is the crazy amount of root matter that is growing underground. So even if you're, even if you're terminating the crop with a no-till method and allowing that green matter to lie on top as a mulch, you still added effectively that, depending on the crop, right? Some crops produce more and some pro crops produce less in terms of the matter underground, but they all produce a surprising amount of root matter that when that crop is terminated, that root matter decays, composts effectively, and provides uh, structure and provides organic matter into the soil. Did that, did that make sense? I think it makes total sense. So it, it, in terms of the, the pros for the no-till, you do have a ground cover and a mulch for erosion, insulation, and moisture retention. It is less work and you don't disrupt the soil structure. And there are people that are, that are very, very concerned about disrupting a soil structure where, where tilling will disrupt it. And there are other people who you know, say, it's not that big a deal, till it. Uh, the, the cons of a no-till method are there is less biomass because you really only have half the biomass and that's from the root structure. And again, there is potential for regrowth in certain zones where, where the crop might not winter kill completely. And you'd have to, you know, you'd have to terminate it in some other method. Um, in, in organic gardening, that's, that's probably problematic because, you know, one of the methods, methods people use would be a, a, a fast, um, a, a quickly, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? A quickly deteriorating 
herbicide, right? That breaks down quickly and doesn't stay. It kills and then evaporates and breaks down. But in organic gardening, you don't want to be doing that, right? The other approach is, is till it under, right? I, I tend to be more of a till it under person than a, than a no-till person. But again, you'll, you'll meet people that say, oh, no, I'm, I'm very, very passionate about a no-till strategy. You know, we don't take a position. They're just two approaches and whatever works for you. The benefit of, of tilling it under is termination is not a problem. You till it under, it, it's, you know, you've got all of that biomass down in the soil that's going to decay and you're, you're, you have much less chance of, of regrowth of perennials. Uh, it does take a little bit more work to till it under. It does disrupt the soil structure and there is no ground cover. But again, the pushback is you're, you're adding a lot more biomass to the soil and that, that begins to decay and, and basically self-compost in the soil, if that made sense. Is, is, that, is that the answer you were looking for on that? Yeah. My question is, if you do till it under, do you till it? Because like, do you till it under when it's still green or do you wait until like in the spring when it's like laying there dead on top of the surface? Yeah. Typically what you would do is let it winter kill. Right. Excellent. So the, the, the trick with cover crops, here's the main thing that you don't want with any cover crop. You don't want to let it go to seed. That's, that's the primary issue. So you want to plant that cover crop in a, in a case where that cover crop is going to grow and it will typically grow a little more slowly in the cold, uh, the cold, the colder nights of, of late summer and early fall and that that cover crop does not bolt because you don't want, you know, you don't want volunteers from a cover crop. Oh. That's gonna, you know, everybody be told me that about buckwheat though. And I'll tell you, there's no buckwheat. None of it grew this year. And I let all my buckwheat go to seed. Okay. Fair but, well, it's, it's good that it didn't, that it didn't grow. I could be lucky. Yeah. yeah it didn't come back in any, I put in three different beds for the last two and a half, maybe three years. Cause what was it in 20, the year of the pandemic. So 2020, this teacher I was working with gave me this huge giant container of it. I still have a little bit left, but yeah, I, I put it in a lot of different beds and just did not, the one bed I chopped and dropped whatever, but the other beds, it just went to seed and it is not coming back up on me. But anyway, well, bonus, I know they say, I know people were like, don't, don't warn me about that, but I don't know about the other, you know, like, other, I have that's the only one I've really tried. Yeah, so I, I would say I would say that you know the key thing is I mean, it, and we're talking a lot about the who, the what, the where, the why, the when, and all the all those details. The the real truth of it is it's really not super complicated, right? Wherever right, you are, I love cover crops. I think they're the like the best. <laughs> oh yeah, it, it it's a, it's a fantastic home gardening technique for sure, but it's really not terribly complicated if you boil it down. When you finish your garden in the fall, uh, plant the cover crops then, let them grow. And if they do, I mean, if you're in a super warm climate where it looks like they're, 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 they're past flowering and they might go to seed, then just weed eat them down, let them lie on top of the ground over winter. Um, and then to e either, either no-till or till them under in the spring a couple of uh, probably two to three weeks, maybe three weeks before you plan on, on planting your garden. And that's, that's really all there is to it, right? The, the bigger questions are, you know, what, what does a cover crop do for you and do different types of cover crops? Cause there are dozens and dozens of kinds of cover crops. 
And for home gardeners, that might seem a little overwhelming. You know, what, what kind of cover crop do I need for my particular soil? Well, uh, let me get to the easy, easy answer on that. That's kind of the no brainer approach to it. But I, I would say this, right? In, in larger farms and e even some smaller family farms, it's a scientific process, right? They'll take soil samples and they'll send them into a, to a laboratory for analysis and determine exactly what you need. And then they'll judge their, you know, the cover crop, the exactly best cover crop, you know, for their particular soil condition and, and plant that. That's probably way beyond the, the scope or desire of a home gardener, right? So for most home gardeners, we sell a all-purpose cover crop mix that has a variety of different cover crops in it that provide kind of all of the benefits of cover crops. And for most home gardeners, it's gonna be the solution. So you don't have to think about it too bad. And let me give you exa some examples of some of the types of things that cover crops do to provide benefit to the soil. Well, number one, they add awesome. organic matter and biomass to the soil, right? It, it is effectively the same as hauling in uh, and, and tilling in compost or, or laying compost on top. It, it does a huge service in keeping beneficial soil bacteria active. It adds nutrients to the soil uh, in two ways. And this is really cool, right? So if you think about, let's go back to the, to the issue of, of trace minerals, right? So trace minerals in the soil exist in the topsoil, but after a certain number of crops are grown, all those trace minerals are depleted. Well, how do you get more trace minerals in the soil? Well, there's only, there's only two places it can come from. You either fertilize with a trace mineral fertilizer. The, the one that I love is called azomite and we sell it on our site and I put it on, I put it on wheatgrass and I put it, uh, I, I fertilize with it in our garden. It's not NPK and it is, is hundred percent natural. It's just mined out of the earth and it contains 67 trace minerals that you put back in the soil. So that's one way to do it. But a cover crop can also do it if the cover crop has deep tap roots. And it's, it's usually typically things like mustards and uh, buckwheat also has, has deep tap roots. Those deep tap roots go down many, many feet into the lower levels of soil. And those tap roots will access those trace minerals that are lower in the soil and pull them up into the higher levels of the soil. So that's kind of a neat bite in the roots. And when the roots decay and become soil, there you've got, you've got trace minerals. So that's a neat function. The other way that, that cover crops uh, bring nutrients is from the air, primarily nitrogen, right? We all know how important nitrogen is in, in terms of soil health and providing uh, for large, you know, large healthy crops. And it's, it's really, this is kind of a, this is, again, we're kind of getting into the science of it a little bit more, but the way that, the way that cover crops pull nitrogen out of the air into the soil is through kind of, of a symbiosis with a, with a soil bacteria called rhizobium and making sure that you, that, that, that bacteria is present you, you typically, and it's, it's typically legumes, right? It's, it's the, it's the beans, it's the alfalfa, it's the other types of like the field peas and the other types of, of legume crops that really, really will, will put nitrogen into the soil. 
So working with this bacteria and to make sure you've got the bacteria, you can inoculate the, the seed before you plant it. And we sell some inoculant uh, for various different types of, of crops that will, that will put the right bacteria that works in conjunction. But in our garden cover crop mix, it's already pre-inoculated. So that, that bacteria is already present. You just plant the seed and it'll do its job. It will pull nitrogen out of the soil and create these little nitrogen nodules in the roots. And when the roots decay, you've got tons more nitrogen in the soil. So it's kind of a, a cool magical process. And that's why cover crops were so important historically before, you know, uh, agriculture was, was fertilizing with, with, you know, synthesized. Nitrogen. Does that make sense? It makes total sense. And Parker, I, you probably don't listen to my podcast, but so many of these things my, that you're saying my guests have talked about, and I feel like you are like providing a solution that my listeners want. You've made this awesome. Like they can just order garden cover crop mix because like exactly what you're saying, like knowing, do I, you know, pick daikon radish or do I pick peas or do I pick vetch or do I pick rye or do I pick, you know, buckwheat, like what's right for me. And so you're just solving this because you can just order this. You've already got it inoculated. Like a lot of my guests have talked about, you know, the nodules that you're talking about underground. I think we're all kind of becoming more familiar with it, but I, I feel like you did a great job of explaining it and, and like regular people terms. Well, very, um, very good. I'm super glad. And, and you're exactly right. Right. There's, there's dozens of different options. Right. And, and again, for larger farms, they would say, Hey, I got a situation. I really need a lot of, uh, you know, hairy vetch or another one might say, Hey, I need, I need mustard as the cover crop I'm going to grow this year. Right. Because of the tap roots and it, it's got some, you know, the, 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 the chemical in mustard controls pests and weeds. I mean, there's all different reasons why you would do it. But for a home gardener, don't overthink it. Just use an all-purpose cover crop that has the best of everything. And a couple of years of, of using that cover crop, you will have phenomenally rehabilitated soil. Do you, is there anything that we didn't talk about that you wanted to mention? Yeah, let me just throw out a couple of other potential benefits of, of you are dropping golden seeds like crazy. You just say whatever you want, Parker. This is excellent. I know my listeners are going to love this. You bet. Yeah, there's there's other benefits to cover crops too, uh, because they it's really it's really more than just soil rehabilitation, right? Again, things like things like mustards typically have some pest control. There's there's mustards that uh, will make uh, the life of nematodes, oh. harmful nematodes in the soil, very difficult for those poor nematodes. Uh, cover crops can trap moisture. They provide competition for weeds. Obviously, they 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 provide uh, great off season options for pollinators and 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 attract a better pollinator, um, you know, local pollinator. Uh, uh, population in your area. You know, something you yeah. didn't mention that other guests have talked about is like maximizing photosynthesis. Like this has been one of the big things we've learned on my show is that when you harvest something in the fall, you want to try to um, have something else growing in that same soil within 24 hours. And that's a great place to put cover crops in. Like if you're done with your cucumbers or your, you know, beets or broccoli or whatever once you've harvested it a lot of people just let that soil lay and that's a good time to put the cover crops right so you're always absolutely and, and it will help with the weeds like you were saying absolutely and then there's there's a couple other concepts too right for there's different, Sorry, there's, different yep. there's different stages of home gardeners right 
you've got you've got home gardeners that have a you know a good garden plot in their backyard and that's what most people think about when they think of of gardeners but there's a lot of there's a lot of gardeners that have a smaller uh, garden with maybe a, a raised bed or a couple of raised beds and even uh, you know patio container gardeners who are growing you know tomatoes and things like that in a container garden on a patio or a deck and guess what lean. he's talking to you <laughs> there you go it's 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 popular and increasing popular and guess what you can plant a cover crop in a container or a raised bed just like you would in a larger garden or a farm it works everywhere it's a really really neat and super super inexpensive strategy especially for organic gardening i mean i, I yeah because usually what we do is we just like empty that pot in the compost pile and put fresh like potting soil that we pay a small fortune for um from this place here in montana that we buy like three hundred dollars worth these two giant you know whatever two bags fit in the back of the pickup like that's how big they are yep. that we buy every year to fill different pots and and our beds and like or like our tomato beds that my husband built like a three foot high you know beds where we usually put our tomatoes and and since that dirt never gets replaced like he digs it all out and puts fresh so yeah i've never thought of putting a cover crop in those beds well and think about think about it this way right so you put a you you plant cover if you got you know let's say half a dozen or a dozen containers uh in your in your you know on our patio or deck the amount of cover crop that you're going to need to seed those which will take you a couple of minutes to do right is going to be probably under a dollar maybe even under 50 cents for the amount of seed that you're going to need to to seed those and that's amazing yeah, and that's, that's getting more and more expensive every time you go to the store yeah that's that's the neat thing about cover crops right it, it's literally the biggest bang for your buck in home gardening anything else you do is going to cost you time and money in you know larger quantities than cover crops typically you know that makes me think my mom has told me for several years now that her tomatoes just like she grows homegrown tomatoes and they just don't taste like she thinks they should and i wonder if that's what her problem is like she's always been using she just has this one giant pot and she puts them in, in that same soil and she's never changed the soil out of that one pot. I always tell her, I'm like, mom, it's your soil, it's your soil, but she could grow a cover crop in that pot maybe. Super easily. Fall. Yep, absolutely. That's a great idea. I'm going to New York in October. I could bring you some seed. Cool, cool. Um, Sorry, did I interrupt you? Oh, no, you're sorry. good. Okay. Did we get everything then or anything else? No, I, I think I think so. I think. Oh, yeah, that's what I was going to say. So Eileen is my golden listener of the year from, I think, 2020 or 2018. I don't know. And then we do this thing called Soil Sista Saturday, where we talk about what's going well over the summer. Anyway, she just recently moved this uh, spring, I think, or winter. I don't know. She just moved this year. And so her whole garden is now planted in pots this year. And she was talking, joking about how she has to work a five day week instead of a four day week now to pay for her gardening habit because it can be expensive. So cover crops that are um, less expensive for her uh, seeds. I know she'll be right on top of it. Absolutely. Okay, 
Parker, tell everybody like your website and how they find out about that. And then you guys gave me a code for my listeners, right? Like, was it OGP 15 or something that they could get a discount? Yep. It's GOG 15 for Green Organic Gardener 1.5. GOG 1.5. I like that. And it's a 15% discount off any of our cover crop products. So if you come to the site and you buy something in addition to the cover crop, it, it will provide the, the discount for the cover crop uh, piece of your order, uh, but not the, not the full order. But all of our cover crop products are, are on sale uh, with, this, with this code, GOG50. Cool. Depending on where you are in the country, there, there are places where you can still plant a cover crop as late as, as you know, mid or late October and have that, have that work for you. Other places. Plus, it's never too early to start getting seeds for next year. Like Eileen already posted pictures that she's got almost all of her seeds for next spring purchase because last winter like the last couple of winters so many people since pandemic started are buying seeds that seeds we've bought for years like we couldn't find golden beet seeds in bulk this year i had to buy like four or three <laughs> packages like super expensive packages because they're one of our favorites and we have a lady who likes to buy them from us and um we, we could do yeah do a so podcast much. on the supply chain nightmare that's happening in the seed industry right now <laughs> i'll give you the nickel summary in when COVID hit in in March of uh, of 2020, gardening was one of those things that got massively massively popular, and the the entire home garden seed industry, from producers to you know uh, brokers to in, you know direct sellers uh, you know into the direct market, whether it's through paper packets in in stores or whether it's on a website like we do basically sold two years worth of seed in a couple of months. Well, you can't just make more seed, right? You've got to plant it and grow it. So there were tons of varieties that just sold out. Like we haven't had cauliflower seed literally for 18 months. We are finally starting to get some cauliflower seed coming in now, but stuff has been in such crazy demand. It's very, it's very hard to get all the varieties that you want. Now, the good news is it's not the great seed apocalypse, right? If you want to plant tomatoes, there's not going to be any shortage of tomato seeds. But what you may find is that certain varieties that you're super keen on may be an extremely short supply and hard to get. Now that's getting better, but it's been a weird couple of years in the garden seed industry. I will tell you that. Yeah. Well, and, oh, what was I going to say? The price of vegetables and berries right now is just insane. And so that one of the, the place where I planted the buckwheat that was the most successful was this bed that I was planning to make um, into my raspberry bed. And now my raspberries are doing great there. So last year I finally ordered the raspberries from, um, I don't know, the fair roots, whatever, from Peaceful Valley. Yep. And this year we're finally getting tons of raspberries. And so like if people are thinking, oh, next year I wanna plant blueberries, I want to plant strawberries. Like now is the time to get that bed ready and get the cover crops growing, whether you plant them this fall, which I think if I'm in Montana and I'm going to put them in now, like listeners would still be able to probably most places that they live also be able to put them in or at the least they're your beds ready to go. Like now's the time to get your bed ready. Don't wait until spring. And then if you're going to put the cover crop in there first thing in the spring, like we planted an asparagus bed finally this year that we've been dreaming about for years. And 
just, you know, it, it's always nice to expand your garden and you can always like, that's the great thing about cover crops is that they will help you get a bed ready for the spring. So this is the perfect time to get them. Yeah. This is the perfect time for you to come on and talk about this. With yeah, you. right. Right now is we're, we're literally at the beginning of cover crop season for the United States. And again, depending on your zone, right, you, you, you'd either plant right now for the fall if you're in, if you're in the, the, you know, the, the, the shorter growing season zones the you know, the twos, the threes, the fours, uh, I think here where I am, we're, uh, we're zone six B and I could, I could still plant in, you know, in mid September or even late September, depending on, you know, if you get lucky with the weather, uh, and, and still have a, a, a solid cover crop that would be ready to till under in the spring. But there are, you know, about a third of gardeners, uh, do a spring cover crop and and go out and plant early in the in the in the spring, you know, like you know early March, and then let that grow for a month or two before they till it under and, and plant their regular garden. Especially if they're doing uh, seed starts and transplants. Yeah, or that's what I was just gonna say, like things that can't go in until after the danger of the frost. Like that's a good place that we've been doing it too in the spring. So then you don't have like a ton of weeds like growing up where you're going to put your green beans or your corn or things that can't take a frost so just so many great uses for cover crops i'm a huge fan i am so excited to get more um to have something that's like easier that just comes to me and i don't have to make all those big decisions like i was saying and just uh Thank you so much, Parker, for being like so knowledgeable, for sharing with us, for giving my listeners the discount, GOG15. Yep. And that's um, and the, the website, so everybody can find it, is trueleafmarket.com. T-R-U-E-L-E-A-F. Trueleafmarket.com. Or you can just search True Leaf Market on Google and you'll find us easily there too. And we've got the we've got the code GOG15 uh, for 15% off any of our cover crop products. But one other thing that, that your listeners ought to know is we have a free PDF uh, cover crop growing guide that goes into more detail than we've talked about. And it's, 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 not a, it's not a front to back read, it's a reference, right? So if you have a particular question about when to plant, how to plant till versus no till, what you know, particular maybe soil issues you might have and what the best crop might be for it, uh, you can get the free cover crop growing guide from our website on any any page of our cover crop products. There's a link to it, and it's just a free download, no strings attached. And it will tell a home gardener everything you need to know about cover crops as a, as a, as a cool reference. And that's, that's, that's free to anybody who would like it. Perfect. Thank you, Parker. You have a great day. Likewise. Thank you so much for having me on. It was an honor and a pleasure. Do you know someone who would benefit from the Organic Gardener podcast? If you like what you hear, we'd love it if you'd share the Organic Gardener podcast with a friend. Thanks again for listening, and remember, grow local.